0: All right guys, welcome to another episode of Fitness Inside Out by Wild Training. I'm James Griffiths, and today I've got some of our members from the Wild Training gym. And these guys have joined the gym this year in 2021. And, and as yeah lots of young men at the age of kind of 15 16 start to find the weights for the first time start getting interested in strength training and at the wild training gym we're going to be starting a family series of kind of educational seminars webinars for for lots of people to benefit from hopefully and, and for us to kind of yeah create a, a better culture within you know the local community and families that want to have, have a better opportunity to to build a really healthy you know fit family kind of thing and have fun while they're doing it but I thought I'd take the opportunity to, to talk to the lads because cause I guess when I was 16 nobody told me what I was doing and, and I'm sure most, most guys can relate to the idea of, of coming to that age where you do want to build on some muscle you want to get a little bit stronger and Back in the day, the best I had was men's fitness as, as most guys would have got used to doing three sets of 10 pretty quickly as, uh, as that programming really yeah, built around those kind of basic compound strength systems. But I thought, you know, we've, we've got a lot more channels now for, for education from YouTube and podcasts and all kinds of yeah, websites and obviously Instagram, social medias, where, where I'm sure these guys have probably learned a few yeah, hit, hints and tricks. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about, firstly, why they start getting into exercise what it was to, to to really get them going, because you know, as as we've always found at the Wild Training Gym, hardest thing about exercise is getting people started. Like we're really good at keeping people engaged in effective exercise, seeing results. And, and obviously making sure they never get bored and, and, and don't get injured. But getting people started is, is tricky. So I'm always interested to talk to people about why they start their, their exercise routine. And and then I'm really interested to to hear about, you know, where these guys learned about what strength exercises they wanna do, what exercises they don't wanna do, uh, what, what supplements they think are important. So I know that's a that's a hot topic for a lot of people that are getting into strength training for sure. And, and really then for, for me to kind of, I guess, open it up to, to the guys as a bit of a coaching session where they can just ask me questions because I know there's a lot of kind of misinformation out there and a lot of, of things that feel like they conflict, you know, so information about training and, and nutrition that, that I'm sure, yeah, becomes very confusing the more you read. So, uh, so this is, yeah, going to be a really fun podcast hopefully and hopefully something that a lot of people get a lot of value from. So we have Ben, Connor and Josh, okay and so let's get, dive straight in guys so, so you know we've had a chat you know before we, we hit record about you guys doing what every guy i know did which was join the local leisure center and start throwing mm-hmm. around some tin pretty much yeah 100 and yeah. so and so talk to me about you know you guys all started the the, the kind of leisure center together mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah cool. we mm-hmm. and so and so what happened when you when you joined did you get shown what you were doing
1: no so they uh ran us through a quick kind of session of what a few of the pieces of equipment mm-hmm. were that was more of an option, optional kind of thing Yep. Yeah. so uh, you basically just left there and you just go into the gym they got certain hours you're not really allowed to use the free weights until you're at a certain age but mm. um, did they tell you why no no, no specific reasons of why but mm-hmm. um yeah so basically you kind of had to figure it all out by yourself and obviously being new to the gym we had no clue what we were doing yeah. so just do random exercises random sets yeah no clue what we do.
0: And that, that would be kind of you guys jumping on like fixed path resistance machines. So the kind of things you would put like the pins in or like mm-hmm. slide weights yeah. onto. So yeah. the thing about obviously fixed path resistance machines is, is you almost can't do them wrong, right? And exactly. I think that's where, you know, we saw from a business model point of view, late 90s, when treadmills cross trainers yeah. first kind of came to be and, and all this fixed buffer resistance machinery kind of hit the gyms with selectorized kind of weights and, yeah, and yeah. kind of you know setups that were, were obviously much easier to kind of manage it was great for the gyms i think well from a business point of view because they got like <laughs> thousands of, of members but they didn't need an army of instructors to teach anybody how to do anything anymore so yeah. they could literally go yep join the gym crack on because you probably won't die you know yeah, yeah. and 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 the The interesting thing that I always think about is is financially the fitness industry grows like every year, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. But for 15 or 20 years now, we've always been at about 13 to 15 percent of the UK population has had a gym membership, so it hasn't moved from 15 percent for quite a long years. So, you're like, okay, so the amount of people in fitness in gyms hasn't necessarily changed that much. But the fitness industry keeps making more money, uh, yeah. and and so it's it's kind of in my head our our success arguably isn't related to you guys actually getting the results you want, which sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. And then so so you go to the gym, you find these fixed buff resistance machines because at this point nobody's really interested in going on a treadmill. No, yeah, no. Which which is what they tell you <laughs> you're allowed to do. Yeah. Uh, and and so what do you do? So so how many how many reps how many sets would you normally guys knock out? Realistically, I'd go to the gym. I'd pick up, let's say, a twelve kilo dumbbell, yeah. and I'd rip it out for eight reps, yeah. and then I'd put it back, yeah. and I'd go find enough stuff, something else to do. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. think about sets. Yeah. I'll just do one thing, move to the other thing. Yeah, totally. Okay, and and in terms of like like so, Ben, your weekly routine, mm-hmm. Monday to Sunday, what does it look like? Um, so most of the time, I come to the gym. Let's say five or six times a week. Monday would be a chest and back session mm-hmm. Tuesday, arms, Wednesday legs and shoulders, mm-hmm. and then repeat. Yeah, okay, we good. And so and so, you know, I guess fundamentally in my head it's like really interesting because those kind of split routines, right? So where we're going, you know, sometimes it we chest and back, uh, and and then obviously you know as Ben said like arms and abs, and then and then your legs because obviously legs are a monster, so they normally knock you out a little bit more. <laughs> so but, uh, but there's lots of different kind of popular split routines. So, so yeah. for example, mine's probably a little bit simpler, you know, so when I'm going through more hypertrophy bodybuilding phases, I just have push, pull, and then and then my legs. And and for me, it's a simple way for me to manage yeah, it. Yeah. There's, there's, there's justification for mixing them up as well. So when you go, um, if I do my chest on Monday with my biceps, and then say I do my back on Friday with my triceps, yeah. then obviously a lot of your back pulling exercises are gonna work your biceps. So if we worked our biceps in isolation on Monday, and then we work our back on Friday, you mm-hmm. kind of end up working your biceps twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no right or wrongs. And that's the thing, like, like when you're trying to create split routines, there are very passionate coaches that will tell you there's a right and a wrong way to do it, but mm-hmm. there isn't, You know, and especially when you're starting out. The sweet thing yeah. about when you're starting out is everything works because you're not used to it, right? And, mm-hmm. 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, your bodies will adapt ridiculously quickly. So it's a really exciting time. But uh, but then, so, so for you, Josh, yeah. I guess what made you guys join the gym like what was it that, that, that all of a sudden you were like yep we're going to join uh,
2: Well to be honest I was always quite like tall yeah. I was always quite thin so I was like you know what I want to put on some muscle yeah. I want to do this but I, so I went to the gym but when I got to the gym you know I didn't like obviously didn't as you said I, you don't know what you're doing Yeah. So um, I'd pick up a dumbbell or like just go on like the cables do some do some like cable machine workouts or something and then that'd be about it. Yep. Like, I wouldn't know anything about food, nutrition, like Yeah, Fueling sleep. the workout. Yeah. 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 Um, until I started asking like different like people at the gym, yeah. like, what do you recommend? Yep. Like, so I see these big guys in like, well, uh, in like uh, Wickham, mm-hmm. and they just say, oh, do this, do this, do this. So i would be like, oh, well, I'll do this then. But eventually, you know, you kind of just, Work it out by yourself, and yeah, eventually
0: yeah. you know what you're doing. But yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Okay, and and so so obviously you've got you know the bigger foot guys in the gym, which definitely every everybody. It's it's good to lean on those guys, you know, because they have they, they've yeah. been around. But again. It, it depends on the environment it depends on the gym uh, you know it depends on e- even the staff sometimes because I, I always find that the culture of a gym a lot of times is, is kind of built out from the people that run it you know yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so you guys know what we're like at this gym mm-hmm. and yeah. try and get involved with everybody and, and have I'm some sure. fun and teach yeah. everybody what we have got but um but like so 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 Connor is there is there resources that you guys kind of message out you know and, and you, you kind of are you looking at things on Instagram or YouTube or websites or yeah, where well, have you guys learned some of the stuff
1: yeah well online that's during lockdown especially yeah there was just such a large amount of information and there's so many people doing home workouts yeah. and all these different things and you kind of have to like kind of um, you navigate. can't yeah navigate that's the word navigate through all these pieces of information to try and pick out parts that you like and what you need what works out really well for you personally mm-hmm. But yeah, Instagram obviously has a big standards and everything like that shows off yeah. body standards. But you can find a lot of these training programs. A lot of people sell them just to make a bit of money, mm-hmm. but and um, people buy them. But that's normally not what they use Normally they'd be on different kind of things. Or because um, kind of getting a workout plan for you is really hard, especially as a starter. Yeah. Because you see all these huge guys. They've also got all their their big plans. Like yeah, where yeah, yeah. they do how many sets and reps and they've just got so much volume yeah when you're starting out you really can't keep up with that sometimes yeah yeah so it's really hard to um navigate it really
0: yeah yeah yeah. well i I think you know like you know talking to you guys about strength training it's a lot of the time it's it's the same for for different communities we have in the gym so you guys know that we have like martial artists here with Mm -hmm. like strong men here with aerialists here and they all do the same they all look at instagram and they go i want to try that you know and, and obviously, you know, for example, some of the martial artists, they're looking at like some of the best athletes in, in the world, you know? And they're looking at these these amazing, you know, strength and conditioning coaches to write their programs. Mm-hmm. And we're like, cool, but you still need to learn how to do like a single leg lunge or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Because, yeah. 100%. you know, without, I guess, a fundamental um, level of conditioning, uh, some of the more advanced styles of training can be, I guess, uh, almost too much for the body, not enjoyable either, because, mm-hmm. yeah you know, failure is part of, you know, training at a certain intensity, especially with bodybuilding and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you gotta have positive workouts sometimes as well. You don't always have to go balls to the wall and fail everything and, 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 and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, I find there's some really simple ways of, of breaking down and, and triaging what's right, what's wrong. And I, I always start at the basics. So, so, you know, most guys start training at the gym, like Josh said, you know, like you just want to build some muscle mass. And, and that's not a bad thing because, you know, if, if I think about how I have look at periodizing a program, you know, if I take somebody that's never trained before, they've just never seen the gym outside of, you know, whatever fitness they might do in PE, you know, mm-hmm. which is what, like cross country, yeah. and some pretty yeah, yeah, basic yeah. calisthenics type stuff, right? And that's the thing, like, uh, at a, a, an adolescent's age you're, you're involved in in physical education you've got you've got team sports like football rugby netball hockey that kind of stuff you've got cross country which somehow P teachers always murder uh and and then you've got the basic like step ups and press ups and sit ups and, mm-hmm. and, and then things like this and obviously you know this whole world of this really expressive creative diverse exercise you know styles that, that is what i enjoy because mm-hmm. we wanted to build a gym here where we didn't necessarily just have one style of of training and it means that whoever walks in our door I know I'll find a system that they love.
1: That's what I love about this place as well, there's just so much diversity Mm. all the different communities like you said There's just everything and you can go out and try different things and everyone here is so nice as well, you just ask them about anything and they'll give you, they're so there's so much information, kind of. Yeah. And uh, it's just so friendly here as well.
0: But I mean, so so yeah. When when I'm looking at like starting with somebody that's never exercised before, you kind of work through like stamina and stability and basic movements, kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the first thing I would look at is hypertrophy. Like the next level up is is bodybuilding, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. Yeah. sometimes you might have like a really thin, you know, person that doesn't have a lot of lean muscle. And You're like, well, if they want to be really strong for martial arts, lifting really heavy weights, calisthenics, anything that's gonna have a lot of fun, sometimes the first thing you have to do is build some muscle. And yeah, at yeah, the same yeah, time, definitely. if you have, you know, it's a really cliche thing to say, but if you have maybe maybe a woman that's, uh, I guess, sensitive about the idea of doing strength training because they don't want to get big, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
0: at the same time, if they fully understand how hypertrophy works, they know how to avoid it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas sometimes I hear, even personal trainers say, they talk about toning, to a say a woman that wants to tone up, and they will talk to a guy about building some muscle, and they say the same thing. And you're like, well, you lied to one of them, right? Yeah, so, yeah, and there should be there should be a really simple way of helping you know the the the, the kind of clients, the people that want to train, to navigate that. So, mm-hmm. so if I said to you guys, in terms of when we come to the, drain, the gym, we, we're trying to create stress on the body, right? And you have all of these different tools and all this different kind of equipment and and different variables, things like reps and sets and stuff like that. That change the results you're gonna get. So so if I said what what stresses do you guys think you need to hit to make a muscle grow?
2: Time and attention.
0: hmm
1: Um I say what else to say? <laughs> There's yeah, there's definitely a few, but um basically what I go for is not till failure every single set, obviously, because your body can't really keep up with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And to have fun in the gym. Um but it's basically just Kind of tearing apart that muscle fibers so they can grow back bigger and stronger. Obviously, yep. that's the basis of what I base my workouts off. Yeah, of. totally.
0: And that's 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 total, totally accurate with physiology. If we if a muscle kind of gets torn a little bit, like and it sounds really dramatic. I'm not ta- talking about tearing muscles, but <laughs> yeah. you know, when when we create a, a resistance and we, we work against the little micro traumas in the muscle fibers basically create inflammation, and it's that process of the muscle fibers going through inflammation that makes them then thicken which is what hypertrophy means, it's a thickening of our muscle fibers. So we don't get more muscle fibers, that's called hyperplasia, and I think it only happens in rats and cats, as far as I know, which is <laughs> wicked, because we get really strong. But it doesn't happen, I don't think, in humans. Mm. So so, so you've got this idea of creating yeah, inflammation in the muscle, like a mm-hmm. micro tear. And yeah, time and attention is something that a lot of, of strength coaches talk about, but, yeah then I could grab some eight kilogram dumbbells. And obviously I've trained for years, right? So right. I, I could go, you know, two hours time and attention with not much rest with some eight kilogram dumbbells. It's probably not gonna make me bigger, right? Yeah. So the problem with like time and attention as a, as a rule is it becomes quite like diverse in, in what that could mean to somebody. Mm-hmm. And then you start diving down the rabbit hole of like intensity, right? And and so intensity is a big part of it for sure. Yeah, that you've 100%. already mentioned going to failure. So if I do 10 reps, and I fail, then I probably got to nine and then gave up on my tenth. And and yeah, Connor's totally right. If you do that all the time, you're mentally gonna blow out. Your your body is probably physically gonna blow out. Yeah. So it's, it's a fast route to injury. I'm not saying that I never do it, but but certainly it's a, it's a more advanced level of intensity. So if you think first off you've got to train hard enough to give your body a a reason to change. And we see this all the time, right? And so we get we get, you know, sometimes younger guys, sometimes older guys going, I'm a hard gainer. Yeah, I just can't make my calves grow. Yeah. Yeah, and then right. you go, you go, Well, what are you doing for your calves? And they go, I do three sets of ten at the end of my the uh, end of my workout when I'm when I'm basically tired. And you're like, so so the most efficient joint in your body is your ankle. There's nine muscles in the back of your calf, and you're you're wanting it to grow with three sets of 10 <laughs> when you stand on them all day. Like it's maybe yeah, the maybe. part of your legs that's the most used to work. So so obviously, yeah, it's stupid other end of the spectrum. But like, if you look at like the, the GB Downhill Ski Squad, I looked at an amazing uh, journal uh, article that was written in the UK Strength and Conditioning Association's journal, and I was looking at the volume and they were like training over 40,000 kilograms on their calves in an hour, wow. and you're like, wow. That's Jesus. not three sets of ten, you know? But the reason the skiers were, were making their, their calves grow was, was the idea was if they had a bigger calf, when they do the massive jumps and they're, they're slamming down and their knees are, are, are flexing, a big calf would almost act like a cushion to stop the knee hyper-flexing and exploding, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like they wanted jacked calves, but like functionally for their sport, actually making their calves bigger made yeah. a lot of sense. But then I was looking at the volumes, and I was just like, "That's ridiculous! Like, I wouldn't be able to walk." Exactly, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, and so that's you know my my intro into what the real stresses you need to achieve to make a muscle grow are volume and fatigue. Yeah. So, so they're much more accurate ways than time and attention yeah. to think about how you program because. They're the only reasons your muscle will grow, and I, I always find it funny. Like, if you if you think about it from a physiological point of view, why does your muscle grow in diameter when you put stress through it? And it's not to look hot naked, you know. So, so a thicker muscle is more resistant to damage. Well, you look at a farmer's hands, and they're thick because yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they they're working all day long, right? And so, so muscle fibers and and, and you know connective tissue and all that kind of stuff, it's going to thicken. It's going to get stronger so that you're more resistant to damage. And if mm-hmm. you think about hypertrophy bodybuilding like that, you go, okay, so I've got to get my body used to being damaged at uh, the right level so that it grows, mm-hmm. gets bigger, gets stronger, but I don't overcook it. Because obviously if, if in my mind, my training is there to damage my body, yeah. if I hot rod it too much and I damage my body too much, it's just gonna break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to easy start it, start, with lower volumes, start with lighter weights. Work out where you're at, so that you get some DOMS. You know, you want to have that delayed onset of muscle soreness oh, yeah. the next day. At least when you start a new program, you know. So for the first probably week or two, when I start a new phase of training, even now I would expect to be a bit ropey the the, the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after you know maybe weeks three to six, I'd start to find the recovery a little bit easier. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're not getting results. You don't have to have DOMS. To get gains. Yeah, yeah, And and I guess if we if we thought about the optimum that you'll normally read about a, a program being eight weeks, that's because for two weeks you're in an alarm phase where your body's literally just getting used to what you're doing, you're learning the movements, you're learning what weights you should be using. And then weeks, you know, so one and two, we're getting used to it. Then weeks three, four, five, six, seven, eight, those six weeks are actually when you're gonna get the gains. Mm-hmm. Probably not when you're gonna get the worst soreness. Yeah. But after eight weeks your body starts to maybe get used to those stimulus uh, a little bit too much, and you start to see less results, you start to plateau. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. problem there is if you guys don't have a new idea, you mm-hmm. get bored, and if you get bored, you're, you're just gonna stop training. If you stop training, you stop looking cool, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, know, yeah, no, yeah. you lose a lot of your <laughs> gains, kind of thing. So, so then, if we if we've got volume as one rule, and one of the most successful programs I've ever written was literally based on six movements, and I said, right guys, all you gotta do is write down your number, so across your hour how much did you lift? And if that number goes up every week, yeah. you'll keep getting results. That's mm-hmm. progressive yeah. overload as well. Yeah, 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 but focused on measuring your volume mm-hmm. uh, rather than measuring the amount you lift. So for example, if you if you progressively overload and you you're doing, uh, you know, s- five sets of 10, you know, and, and you're on a bench press and you start at 60 kilo, and you get a 70, 80, 90, 100. Cool, your volume's gone up, right? and you've done it through progressive overload where you're challenging the intensity. So Mm -hmm. 100 kilos, way more intense than 60 kilos. So it's not just that you're gonna be kind of making the muscles stronger and and putting them through more volume, but there's a massive part of making sure you're giving your nervous system the right kind of shock.
2: Mm.
0: Because if your nervous system is stimulated that drives your hormone system. That's gonna drive hormones like testosterone and all these these anabolic kind of hormones, these hormones that make you grow, you know? Uh, and that's that's where intensity is really important. Mm-hmm. And that's the caveat to volume. And this is what a lot of people get confused about because I could give Ben uh, a squat workout, right? Where he's gonna squat 30 kilograms and he's gonna do 20 sets of, of 10 reps, yeah. right? So he's done 200 squats. Good luck. <laughs> with, with, with thirty kilograms, right? So, quick maths, we got which is Josh the best well, maths
2: I, here. Uh, Twenty
1: times
0: thirty times ten. Uh, six hundred times six
2: thousand.
0: Good, yeah. six thousand kilos. Uh-huh. So, so six thousand kilos is a decent volume. You know what I mean for yeah, a squat yeah. workout. But that thirty kilograms, in the grand scheme of things, is quite light for a squat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And so, if we're saying your job is to damage the muscle. Right? Thirty kilograms is gonna have a real low ceiling as to how much damage it can really create, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so at that kind of time and attention, you know, that's a lot of work. Yeah. That you can probably knock out in a relatively short amount of time, because a lighter weight, you'd have less rest, you're gonna tone up loads, you've got loads of time and attention, oh, yeah. you're probably gonna get stronger, you're definitely gonna improve your stamina. So these are these are other goals, those those are great gains, but it's not necessarily like a, a hypertrophy or bodybuilding type gain, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we, if, we, if we looked at the same kind of number, right? So we go, right, so we're gonna do 120 kilo squats and we'll, we'll, we'll do sets of five for 20 reps. That should be the same volume, right? Mm-hmm. But that volume was achieved at a much greater intensity because the weight was heavier. Mm-hmm. and that will create a much bigger impact on the size of the muscle the damage of the muscle and the muscle wanting to grow because 120 kilos is always going to damage those muscles a mm-hmm. lot lot more mm-hmm. so, so this is where like, volume is really important but sometimes people start to do really low weight low intensity kind of workouts and then wonder why they don't get the gains and it's like oh, you've yeah. still got to lift enough to actually make the muscle want to damage and again the heavier weight is a bigger stimulus to the nervous system than the lighter weight so you go right, bodybuilding, making the muscle grow, volume, and and part of that is building my volume through building my intensity more so than just building the reps and the sets. Reps and sets are useful tools. Mm-hmm. And what you should always think is you can't necessarily expect them all to go up. So so you know, you start at three sets of ten with with fifty kilos, and then you go to four sets of twelve with 70 kilos, and, and you can't expect them all to go up, especially as you get fitter. So like I said, right now, you guys are starting out, you're gonna get gains from everything that you do. Yeah. But you know, when you start getting to like 200 kilo deadlifts, you're not gonna carry on ramping up the weight weekly, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I've been lucky enough to speak to, to people like Lauren Charlie and he trains a lot of young guys now who are aspiring strongmen, and they, they get to that 200, 250 kilo mark, maybe even the 300 kilo mark. And they're like, yeah, in a year I wanna get 400. And he's like, what That's are you talking about? 200 to 300 is not the same as 300 to 400. Oh it's 100%. just not the yeah, same, yeah. right? Yeah. So so the fitter and the stronger you get, what you guys are gonna have to get good at is working out which variable is the right one for me to progress right now. So should I go from four sets to six? That would work, right? Should I stick to four sets, but try and push the, the weight, you know? Mm-hmm. And and the easy answer is probably do the thing that you've done least of kind of thing So if you've been working on pushing more weight Now keep the weight the same just do extra sets and if you've Mm -hmm. been pushing the sets Maybe drop the sets back down and increase the weight because you shouldn't never necessarily expect everything to go up Or even stay the same sometimes. It's good to regress Um, Things like the number of sets that you do so the quality of those sets can go up the intensity of those sets can go up Yeah and then you just have this really nice pattern where you go okay so i've got the reps that i do i've got the volume that i do the number of sets i've got the weight that i do and you just go which one am i going to push this month and you know changing your program each month is is not a bad way to go I like know i said eight weeks but mm-hmm. if you change the program every every month it just keeps keeps it interesting uh-huh. you know if you're always doing bench press with a barbell move to a dumbbell bench press you know and then next month come back to the bench press with the ollie bar and they're, they're similar movements but but it's really good to give yourselves different exercises based around those those traditional compound exercises. So when we're talking about compound exercises, rather than just like the selectorized machines you sit on, which are okay, you know, and they definitely serve their purpose. And, and from a low level and sometimes an elite level because our high end, you know, the bodybuilders that want to kind of really get huge they use those machines because they're going to be able to lift more weight, right? And, and more weight, more volume, more intensity mm-hmm. is going to be a stimulus that's going to help them get to that next level. But for me, like, especially with guys like yourselves, I'm like, okay, what's the most important thing for me to teach you? So how to squat, how to deadlift, how to lunge, how to push, how to pull. Mm-hmm. Yep. I teach that to like my five-year-olds. That's the prime workout, oh, yeah. Optimus prime workout, it's very cool. <laughs> but, but if you get that stuff right, it, then that transfers to so many things it's, it's not enough on its own especially from like an athletic pursuit if you're expecting the gains in strength to go to rugby or or, or martial arts or whatever you want to do you have to start looking at am i training in every plane of movement because mm-hmm. then you think about the exercises i've just given you lunge deadlift squat push pull probably you're going to perform them all in the sagittal plane so forward and backwards And then you guys go and play rugby, and you have to dive to the side. You have a big rotation in one of the tackles, and you have no strength in lateral or rotational movement. You haven't trained it. Mm -hmm. So this is where you know, Josh, you're talking about jumping with cables. They are amazing for developing rotational strength. Uh, And I I I think probably the early three years of my career as a personal trainer, I lived on a cable machine because I was like, it's the best thing in the world. It's (laughs) amazing. You can do everything on it. And, and it was cool. And it definitely helped me build a lot of strength through the middle of my body. I think if I criticized myself for the first kind of yeah, few years of my career, I was really into the idea of building functional strength, building my strength out from the middle of my body. My core strength has always been okay. It's got better over the years. But then I probably didn't do enough of what we'd consider traditional bodybuilding. I didn't sit on benches and do, yeah, bench presses and rows and, and shoulder presses. So for a long time, they were my weakest things. I remember okay. when I got into competing as a strongman, when, when I started the wild training gym, first exposure to having a, any access to strongman equipment. Mm-hmm. And my worst events were the statics, which made sense because I never really practiced heavy deadlifting and, and, and shoulder pressing and things like that. And then it was like the first comp was like, Press an eighty kilo barbell over your head for a minute, and I was like, "That's that's probably going to be like two reps, like you know." <laughs> and then, and then on the day, I ended up getting like thirteen or fourteen out, and I was yep. just like, "Okay, this is wicked," because it gives it a purpose that for me went beyond just getting bigger, mm-hmm. and th- that wasn't enough of a motivator for me, you know. Yeah. I mean? And so, and so it'd be really interesting for you guys, I guess, like you know, being at a gym like this because. When you start training, you start building muscle, you see your body shape change. It's wicked and well, exciting. Do you know what I mean? But it gets to the point where either you don't have access to ideas that are going to reinvigorate your programming to keep your results coming, <laughs> yeah, or you just get bored, you know, of doing the same old jazz. Um, whereas here that won't happen because I'm going to throw an Atlas stone at you and things like that, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and then we'll get you into you know calisthenics and. Calisthenics is one of those massively underestimated uh, and, and, and underrated styles oh, yeah. of shaping your body, um, and, and certainly around you know looking at you know developing good abs, chest, shoulders, it's ridiculous, but it's a skill, you know. So that's yeah. why potentially at more more I guess like generic kind of commercial gyms, you're not going to see coaches bouncing around on Olympic rings and teaching yeah. you guys how to do muscle ups and things like that. And there's there's easy ways for you to get there, especially when you guys are arguably lighter for the size you are. Mm-hmm. So your relative yeah. strength, especially power to weight ratio, could be amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's lots of ideas, but you know, again, if we take it back to that basic idea of what's bodybuilding, what's hypertrophy, it's creating inflammation in the muscle fiber. And so you do that through volume, the other side of that kind of coin that I always talk about is, is fatigue. So if you think carbohydrates get converted into glycogen in your body, that's the kind of sugar essentially that our muscles utilize for fuel when we're working anaerobically. Mm-hmm. So when we're working our strength training, you know, it's not like aerobic exercise where we're burning oxygen and fat. So so most of your glycogen is stored in your muscles. You get, you get some in your liver kind of thing. But then if you go, I'll take you guys through a, a high fatigue workout feels completely different to a high volume workout because yeah. the weights are normally always way lighter. Mm-hmm, yeah. But the big change is that you take away the rest. So time and attention goes through the roof. That athletic ability to get your body burning fat anaerobically, to tone, to become like more shaped, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. But, uh, but what we're really training is if I take all the glycogen out of your muscle, so if I take you to failure, but in a relatively safe way, because you're only gonna be using a lightweight. Mm-hmm. What's happened is I've ripped all that glycogen out of that muscle and I've got it to the point where it just cannot work because there's you know, nitrogen ions and, and acidosis and lactic acid and all that kind of jazz. Your body adapts, not necessarily by getting loads bigger, it will get a bit bigger whenever you're training there's always an element of, of lots of different components at play. So, so you know, if you do a high volume workout, your endurance is going to improve. You're going to get bigger. If you do a high fatigue workout, your endurance is going to improve, improve. You'll get a bit bigger. Yeah. But they do it in different ways, and and so a high fatigue workout is an amazing way, especially to kind of get going because lightweight, loads of reps, ridiculously effective, and all those things mean that you get the reps to learn the technique. You you aren't lifting massively heavy weights, so you've got lots of opportunities to develop, you know, your technique without injury kind of thing. And um, When you do start to push, you know, the bigger weights, you kind of, you feel like you know what you're doing because you've done so much of that exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, really powerful way of making the gains you make in stamina and strength apply to, to yeah, sports and things like that because you, you develop both ends of the continuum. You get the strength, you get the stamina, you get the tone, you get mm-hmm. the, the power as well. Um, can come from those high fatigue workouts. And then you guys have two tools. So, so you go high volume reps times by my weights times by the number of sets that I do. If that volume goes up, I'm gonna get bigger, right? Mm-hmm. The key to it is doing it in the same amount of time. So it's no good going, I did a leg session for half an hour and then I did a less session for 90 minutes and I happened to beat my volume, of course yeah. you did. So in like say a one hour window, you gotta lift more weight. And ideally you gotta lift the more weight across the same number of sets of reps. Because that means your weight is going up, going up, and the intensity is the most powerful way of increasing your volume. So if you increase your volume with sets, and Connor, you increase your volume with reps, and Josh, you increase your volume with weight, you're going to win because it's the most powerful way of increasing your volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not saying that's the only way you should do it because yeah, yeah. we talked about the power of variety, but it's always referencing that back in your head. Mm-hmm. High fatigue workouts, you're going to get shredded. That's how you get really, really yeah, uh, you know, a lot of tone to your body. Great with burning fat as well, uh, but a lot of the time I find guys always focus on the volume workouts because they want to lift the big weights, mm-hmm. so they avoid the high fatigue workouts. And then when I go through them with them, they get these new gains. And again, it, it's, it's exciting and it's, it's hideous when you're doing it because it's just burn, but they do work, you know? yeah. Um, so it so definitely something to mix in. So if you guys just keep thinking high fatigue, high volume, you get some great results. And that high fatigue bit really is just you guys not having loads of rest. And you see it all the time. You mm-hmm. know the hard gainers going, "Oh, I just can't make my calves grow," and they're they're texting you know somebody for four minutes in between the sets. And you're like, "You need to bleed your calves out to make them grow." Oh, yeah. So uh, so yeah, fatigue is a big one. I, I've always found that of all the programs that I write, rest. So the amount of rest that you you take is the most powerful variable I have in programming because whatever rest I give you absolutely dictates the work that you do so so if I only give you a 30 second rest you're not going to be lifting a massively heavy weight if I let you have a 3 minute rest you're going to be lifting a really heavy weight so the rest is almost the easiest way for me to identify with what that program is actually going to deliver because it will dictate the intensity of the set and potentially the volume of the whole workout kind of thing so yeah rest is one of those things I don't think people talk about enough Um, but yeah I'll I'll put a a blog up on the website because I know that there's a there's a an article that i wrote not really an article but a resource for all the trainers and it's um with a, a personal training programming map so if i've got a skinny guy and i have got an overweight guy and they both want to look like brad pitt and troy the trainers know how to map their training together because obviously it wouldn't necessarily be the same yeah mm-hmm. and within that there's every variable in programming so volume fatigue time and attention density rest broken down as to why you'd mess about with them what is that variable gonna give me um, mm-hmm. so i'll probably be a relatively interesting thing for you guys to read so training bodybuilding it's where you guys are at right now it's the right level for you to be at because after some basic movement stuff which you would have done through through you know being young guys at, at you know at school doing PE, doing sports Hypertrophy is the right thing for you to be doing. After that comes strength training, which is where you drop the volume right out and you just go, how much can you lift? Yeah. And it's like three or five reps. Yeah. For those three or five reps are gonna be ridiculously heavy. That's mm-hmm. where you get really, really strong. Then you've got power type training and that can be very diverse, but that's about developing explosivity. That then links into speed, which is coordinating that power so to you know, sprint or do whatever you want, you know, boxing, things like that. And, and, and so that's where you, know, you literally have stamina and stability, hypertrophy, strength, power, speed, go back to the bottom, do it all again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you'll be doing it at a higher level. And I've been doing that for about 15 years and finding yeah. different tools, different activities that complement those different phases. And you don't necessarily have to go all the way through every time. You don't have to spend an equal amount of time in each of those phases because they might not relate to your your main goal. But to completely forget about stability and mobility type work is crazy. You know, so you want to do a little bit of it even if all you want to do is become a Mr. Universe you know, you know Mr. Olympia bodybuilder <laughs> yeah. so so then after training we got to talk about nutrition and again it's a minefield especially for young men protein shakes supplements what you should take what your parents don't want you to take all right. and, and all the rest right sure. so <laughs> you laughing. So, <clears throat> so in terms of you started training at the leisure centre how quickly after joining the gym did you guys want to buy protein shakes Oh, instantly. Everybody. Instantly. instantly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. And so, I mean, is that because you, you you read about it, you heard about it, somebody told you about it, why?
1: Oh, well, it's everywhere, yeah. honestly. Um, on every kind of social media platform, everyone goes, oh, you need protein shakes, you need them. 100% always have to have them. So everyone always goes into the protein. They, You don't really know, because there's so many different varieties of protein. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go through them, find which one you kind of like, or which one is actually the best one. Mm-hmm. And there's no real guidance on that but there is a lot of kind of direction towards getting protein powder.
0: Yeah. So do you guys know how much protein you need a day? Not only about, I read
1: about it was like, was it one, what was it? A gram to a pound of body weight. something like
0: that. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's quite a lot. So so, so I think the NHS probably say something like 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight per day Mm -hmm. for active people, sports people, people that are training regularly, especially within yeah, more anaerobic styles of exercise for sure, yep. uh, like strength training. Uh, there would definitely be a justification for more like 1.5 to two grams. There are loads of uh, good coaches out there that will tell you about three, four grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. Yeah. And, and I was I was really lucky that I, I had a, a guy called Mike Hayer who you guys probably won't know, um, he's the best sports nutritionist in our country. So he manages the England football team. He manages about 26 of the GB Olympic teams. The guy's a legend. And he's me sat going, I'm gonna check all the things I think I know yeah. with you because uh, yeah, that's about as credible as it comes. Yeah. And one of the things we we start talking about, it's not so much like where you get your protein, but but how much you should be having. Yeah. And, and so. I think I always like to go right back to fundamentals, physiology, right? So so bodybuilders and, and people into strength training, they're interested in protein because it stimulates what's called MPS, muscle protein synthesis. So MPS is what stimulates your body to recover, to grow, to heal. So you go to the gym, you train, you damage your muscles, the next bit is you need it to heal. Yeah. And so you go, MPS, what's the easiest way of me maximizing that signal to get your body to to, fully go through that that muscle protein synthesis uh, kind of uh, development? And it's 20 to 25 grams of protein in a portion. So if I hit you with 20 to 25 grams of protein, your MPS spikes, Uh which is what you want, that's how you heal, that's how you recover, that's how you want most from your, your training. And, and then Simpleton, me, goes, well, well I want to do that quite a few times through the day, right? So this is where one of my basic rules about eating every three hours comes in. And, and so I eat every three hours like a religion, mostly because I'm a horrible person when I'm hungry. <laughs> but uh, But if I eat every three hours, two things happen. I manage my blood sugar. And if mm-hmm. you guys don't manage your blood sugar, you're in trouble. It's why a lot of people are overweight. It's why a lot of people lose their energy towards the end of the day and they go home and they start to gorge on sweet things. So if you manage your blood sugar throughout the day, the end of the day becomes much easier. You're leaner. It's much easier to not get kind of, you know, overweight if you're if you're managing your blood sugar. The other side of it, really important for your recovery. And and if you're eating protein every few hours that's another thing that will help you manage your blood sugar because having protein will will make you not crave sugar as much kind of thing. So then you go, okay, that's a really simple rule. Eat every three hours. And when you eat, ideally, you're going to have 20 to 25 grams of protein. So so you guys are are probably a little bit lighter than me. I'm I'm, I'm about 80 kilos, right? So if we take my rule of 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram body weight per day, I want 120 grams of protein a day. Right, And then we take my rule of eating every three hours. So if I eat every three hours, that's six times a day for me. Breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack. So six times 20, 120, Mm -hmm. smashed it. So if I do six intakes of 20 grams, I get six signals to my muscle protein synthesis a day. So I'm spiking that want for my body to grow, build, get stronger six times a day. Josh, if you eat three times a day, yeah, and you eat loads, you're only getting three spikes to that NPS signal. So who's gonna win? You. I'm gonna recover because I'm getting more of those signals. Yep. And that's why having like a 50 gram portion of protein for a meal is insane. Because yeah. one, arguably your kidney can't even handle it. You know, your yeah, body yeah. can't really absorb that much. All the science, all the decent research says that after 25 grams, there's a massive falling off a cliff. Um, in terms of the, the protein you had, so that's why I say twenty to twenty-five grams. You just that's the best number. It's mm-hmm. also practical. So a protein, uh, a protein, uh, a chicken breast is about twenty or twenty-five grams. Yeah. Two eggs is about twenty grams. So it looks right on a plate, and I'm I'm yeah, into yeah. just eating good food, you yeah, know. Definitely, definitely. So half the time, if you take that idea, that your palm is the size of your protein intake for a meal. You're not going to go far wrong. You know, so palm sized steak, palm size chicken breast. That works, you know. Okay. And and then you get your six signals of MPS. The reason that protein shakes are so popular is that's hard to do six times a day. Yeah. And so, it's really so easy. I wake up in the morning, I'm gonna have am I'm gonna have a, a smoothie, so oats, almond milk, frozen fruit, yeah, you know, whatever jazz I can find basically, and I'll put some vegan protein in it because then I know I'm gonna get my twenty or twenty-five grams of protein. So mm-hmm. sweet, one tick, done. Next, what am I gonna have at 9am, three hours after I've, I've had my first intake, you know? 12 o'clock, midday, what am I gonna have? It's yeah. gonna give me 20 or 25 grams. Yeah. And that's it. Now the problem with guys that probably get into uh, supplements like protein shakes, oh, I, know, I, know, I know guys that got mass gainers. So mass gainers like protein shakes that have a lot of calories in them, because obviously to grow, to get bigger muscles, you have to eat more calories than you use you know you have to have a calorie surplus so so that's where you have to probably put on a little bit of fat potentially to build muscle but they were having four mass gainers a day so they were having about four thousand calories a day Uh in essentially shakes the problem with that is like yeah the macros are important carbs fats proteins that's where our energy comes from but micronutrients vitamins and minerals our grandparents were right man you got to eat your greens you know It makes a big difference and, and, and macronutrients, proteins, fats, carbs, they don't work on their own. You've got to have those vitamins and minerals and that's where, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, I guess an argument could be made for weak immune systems, weaknesses in the body, you know, putting yourselves at a bigger risk of injury because what you're building is, is rubbish. You guys are uh, uh, studying building at college, right? If You build with rubbish materials, it's going to fall over, right? Yeah, 100%. your body's the same, you know, I, I know so many people would probably treat, you know, their sports car with more respect than they treat their body, you know, like we have Ferraris, we just don't have the badge, you know, the body's ridiculously clever. So to not fuel it properly is insane, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you guys are investing so much time in your training, right. But again, you just simplify, it and you just go, okay, so 20 to 25 grams of protein per portion to get me to my 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day, right? So then, you know, if you weigh 60 kilos, you're looking at about 90 grams, right? So five portions of 20, sweet. The next rule, totally ridiculous and subjective and something I've completely made up, but I never have more than two protein shakes a day. And for me, that means that I know I've got to be disciplined enough to find four others that are gonna give me 20 to 25 grams of protein that are food. That are colourful, that have vitamins and minerals in it, you know? Because it will give you a way better relationship with food. And and exercise is something we should enjoy together. So it's wicked that you guys have joined the gym together to, to make it fun, because it should be. Like exercising with 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 people makes it better. But food's the same. So as soon as you stop enjoying your food, it's a very hard way of enjoying being active and being fit and being mm-hmm. healthy. And that's where a lot of the time, even bodybuilders, really successful bodybuilders, I mean. Are sometimes really miserable about that community and that culture and the idea that you're going to train all this time you're going to eat really disciplined you know restrictive diets to get on stage and have somebody else completely subjectively tell you whether you look good or not right it's like if i turn up to a strongman competition i win or lose because i lifted more than you or less than you whereas yeah. sometimes when people are building their motivation to exercise around what they look like really subjective everybody ends up with body dysmorphia because oh yeah you, you know what i mean it's just 100%. like everybody's bigger and better than me stuff, yeah. <laughs> so so where where i think it's important is you exercise together you create a narrative around your workout where you create a challenge and so if we all trained together we could do the same workout we could do that that high volume workout we'd just be chasing different numbers yeah. it's cool you yeah. know yeah. because that's it's about our own progression and and, and just making sure that you know whatever Tangible goal, whatever metric you give yourself to measure your progress on, we are uh, we're doing it in a way where it's a positive thing. uh, That's I find like it's much better when it's objective. Like I can deadlift more now than I could last year. Cool, you know, and I haven't lost my mobility and I'm not injured. So I've done it in in the right way. Did somebody else potentially progress their deadlift more than me that year? Maybe. Do I mean? But there's lots of other things I'm working on. Then you, you have to you have to go, I don't have to be the best at everything. I can't be the best at everything. And that's where as you guys get fitter and fitter and fitter, you're gonna realize that the biggest frustration is you can't train everything at the same time. Yeah. So you're not gonna get bigger, stronger, fitter, faster within a phase as you get fitter. And that's where you have to become way smarter about, you know, things like the variables we were talking about. It's like, right, I'm gonna push that type of training. I'm gonna work on my power because I haven't worked on my power for a long time. And you find some new, 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 new kind of gains, basically. So, so yeah, I think fundamentals of, of nutrition, protein. I get it. Hopefully, that idea of only having two protein shakes a day makes sense. And uh, and then yeah, the value in just simplifying it, going controlled blood sugar, eat every three hours, and try and get that twenty to twenty five gram portion of of, of protein to maximise muscle protein synthesis. And everything I've just said is double-blind placebo-tested medical research that's that's foolproof after that realistically you know you don't need a lot you know i i I think things like creatine have been around for a long time very well researched and, and i would recommend that to anybody that's doing any type of anaerobic sport so whether you're an mma fighter whether you're recreationally getting into strength training or any type of you know explosive anaerobic training Uh, it's an energy source so our bodies create it you know and and that's one of the things that helps us break down um, chemically we create energy very quickly using creatine Mm -hmm. so that's where you can do really high intensity exercise and uh, and we get it from red meat grass-fed red meat has about 500 times more creatine in it than ground-fed red meat which is why you should buy good meat from a butcher's Mm -hmm. But, but obviously we're not supposed to eat red meat every day so it's a way, where are you gonna get your creatine,
1: right? That's where the substitution comes in, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And again, that's the one of those things that's been researched really well, but probably the, the commercial research isn't particularly accurate in terms of how much should you actually take. So all the best research I've ever seen bases it on 0.02 grams of creatine per kilogram body weight mm-hmm. per day. So if I'm 80 kilos, I'm gonna have about two grams of creatine a day. Whereas if you look at the back of the pack, it'll probably say something like five gram portions up to three times a day. No, well, that's 15 grams, and I'm having two, and it's enough. And, yeah. and, and after 30 days, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll feel the difference in your workouts. And the nice thing about doing it in that way, there's no loading phase, there's no, oh, you've got to stop taking it phase. Because it's sustainable, you've only got two clearance methods for creatine. So once it's in your blood, it's either going to go to your muscles or your kidneys. Mm-hmm. So if you have too much, you're going to start to bust up your kidneys. And then you look at bodybuilding. How many bodybuilders start to have problems with Um, kidney failure and and things like that not cool so yeah more isn't necessarily more but that's where it sounds like a sales pitch it does help when you guys get to talk to people that have done it you know so so Yeah, I got 20 years on you guys, and I've been training for 20 years. So, yeah. so you get to nick everything I've learned in 20 years because I, I exactly. didn't know yeah. everything I just said <laughs> 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Definitely. I really wish I had it. Um, but yeah, it makes a big difference for sure. But um, but yeah, so quick fire round. Any any last questions? Any any anything you want me to smash?
1: Yeah, well, mainly it would, it would have been nutrition, but obviously you just rounded it out basically mm-hmm. completely off. But. Uh, yes yeah, so i haven't got many questions oh, uh,
2: any good isolating uh, bicep movements because i got biceps
0: my bicep, i got 10 year old girls biceps <laughs> honestly you want to test any part of my body the worst thing i got is biceps so uh where do i see the best development of my biceps i i like pull-ups uh wide grip uh for sure where i think a lot of people miss out on um Good development in, in, in the, the kind of biceps and, and the whole exercise of a, a chin up. So if I have my palms here, a relatively wide grip, is what I find is people focus so much on getting as many reps out as they can or lifting as much weight. One of the easiest ways of getting more out of any exercise is to build the time and attention in, right? So Ben does his pull ups and he goes two seconds up, two seconds down, right? And then you do your pull up and you go two seconds up, two second pause at the top, four seconds down you're gonna get so much more out of that. Even if he's lifting more weight, you know, with a weight belt around your waist kind of Uh thing. Because the most effective phases in terms of activation of movement is not the shortening phase. So if we use a leg extension, because it's easy to see, my quad shortens, that's concentric. It's the weakest part of the movement. The strongest part of the movement is the eccentric. Whereas, how often do you see, oh, I'm going oh, <laughs> to, and they're missing the best bit, man. They've done the hard bit. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the eccentric, but it canes. And then, you know, leg extension is a great example because if you do that leg extension, one, two, and then you hold it there, one, two, you will feel what I'm talking about. Your whole quad will just go pop and, and then you can lower it back down nice and slowly. So, in terms of, rather than an exercise to help you get more out of your biceps, Work out the ranges of movement where your biceps are being challenged the most. So, for example, when I get kind of my elbows below horizontal, a lot of that hold is going to become quite bicep dominant in my chin up. So that's where it makes loads of sense to get to the top and hold that bad boy, and then and then come back down. So uh, I'm a massive fan of building in tempo to help people progress specific muscle parts because you can become really targeted with it. Mm-hmm. Um. I had a question on like gaining weight, because mm-hmm. obviously I've been bulking yep. for, let's say, maybe five months now. I started for about 52 kilo, mm-hmm. no, 57, sorry. Yep. And about 53, uh, 63, sorry, yep. now. And in five months, I feel so, like I could've so gained more. In six, you, you've taken five months of over six kilos, huh? Yeah, about okay. About. That's okay, man. I mean, like, um, yeah, kilo a month is, I mean, the nice thing about doing it slowly like that, you're not going to get fat. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Oh, so, 100%, so yeah. you know what I mean. So, so you know, uh, I, th- I think the quicker you expect to, to put weight on, greater risk of you just putting a bit of chunder on. Likewise, it goes the other way. So, if, if I had somebody overweight here, it was the fastest way to lose weight? And they go, oh, "I'm just going to stop eating." So yeah, but then you're going to lose a lot of muscle and bone density, mm-hmm. which isn't going to make you look better. It doesn't going to make you feel better, right? So, you know, sometimes. Um, Having a slower approach to these things is, is we can I got to say that like, I was probably one of the smallest personal trainers I knew in terms of muscle mass. Uh, so so certainly yeah. until yeah twenty seventeen, the team will always joke because when you see the pictures of me when I opened this gym in like twenty sixteen, I couldn't fill a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was it yeah, was yeah, yeah. not good. I was, I was strong because like I said, I built my my kind of core out from the middle. Um, but but yeah, so I wasn't a particularly big guy in terms of. I guess again really interesting conversation i had with mike hayer so this is sports nutritionist Mm -hmm. eat to fuel the work so i can say to you eat more eat more is the obvious advice right but if you eat more you should train more because you you want to fuel that work if that makes sense you know um so as you increase the volume of your workouts yeah try and eat a little bit more uh you know we've said uh you could probably look at having uh, a couple of protein shakes a day but there's there's a lean protein and then there's a mass gainer. And it's just gonna be a very accessible way for you to get a bit more calories in. Yep. But I don't think a kilo is, is, is uh, uh, a, a, an unreasonable amount of weight to put on. Yep, you could put more on. I uh, My best is probably six kilos in six weeks. Um, and so I did that in about 2009. So that was yeah, 12, 12-ish years ago. Um, and honestly, it's terrible advice, but I did that on Hobnobs, man. Hobnobs are magic because they're (laughs) yummy, but they got carbs, fats, and proteins in them, and they're really cheap. So yeah, you can get about three thousand calories for like fifty p. It was like genius, but don't eat hobnobs. (laughs) But um, increase your calories, increase your volume, and and like so for that five months, have you calculated your total volume? So not really. When you do a lower body workout, if I said how many kilos did you lift in that hour, would you be able to tell me? No. So that's the only thing I want you to change. Okay. And and yeah, if you were paying me as a personal trainer, that's what would I say to you? Because like so for example, my uh my last deadlift uh workout, I think I did twenty thousand eight hundred kilograms in an hour. And that was way more than I did the, the, the previous, previous kind of yeah. month or whatever, you know? Yep. Um so so one, then you've got a way more fun way of measuring your progress. And and yeah, it's not like you go. Oh, I think I put some weight on. I don't look too chubby. Um, it's like the numbers are going up. You will get bigger. And if you l- start lifting more, more, more volume, oh, yeah. you will want to eat more. Yeah. And if you eat more you get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I could talk all day about this. But hopefully, that's <laughs> been valuable for you guys. Interesting. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Brilliant. Wicked. Yeah. All right. Well, like that's I said, we'll be running more and more of these uh, these family series and, and working through yeah different training systems. And maybe maybe I'll, I'll write you guys all a program after this. And then uh, then we'll come. Back Back in a couple of months, and we'll all be like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the <and> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So hopefully, hopefully that was valuable for you guys listening, and uh, and yeah, another great episode of Fitness Inside Out by Wild Training. Please hit subscribe, so you'll be able to check out these these podcasts on YouTube and Spotify and Apple uh, Podcasts That's on most of the major kind of podcast stations. Next time, I'm going to be talking to the team about some of the new programs we've been writing, and the interesting thing about some of these new systems is they really help us challenge some of the things that I find stop people taking on exercise, getting started, which is normally the hardest thing. So make sure you check out that podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about some of these new programming concepts that we're going to be bringing to you guys.